What's going on, Hardliners? Welcome to His Hardline for another episode of 1% with Him. Remember, every day we need to spend at least minimum 15 minutes with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Dig a little bit in the Bible and spend a little time in prayer, you know what I mean? If you can't do that, just join us here at His Hardline. We'll get it done. Drop. And don't forget to check out our website, www.hisheartline.com. We're happy to have you. Let's get started. Good afternoon, good afternoon, good evening, good morning, wherever you're at in the world. I am Jason, your co-host with God and Jesus Christ at my side, because they are the ones in charge. They are the hosts. They are the ones behind the wheel. So therefore, they're the ones that are steering the ship through these crazy chaotic waters that we call life. So welcome. Glad to have you here. And like I always say, remember, you put your trust 100% in God and Jesus Christ. They will steer your personal ship into that safe harbor and get you anchored out so you can get your feet on solid dry land and have salvation and have rest and finally be at peace. So welcome. Glad to have you here. It is Saturday, October 29th, 2022. Glad to have you all here. So today we're going to be starting a new reading out of a new book, I should say, a reading out of a new book. So we just concluded yesterday out of the book of Romans and we are going backwards to Old Testament in the book of Isaiah. Now, I wanted to go to Isaiah because Isaiah is a very, very important book, a very important book. And there's a lot of parallels, I believe, from my own understanding and interpretation. It seems to be a lot of parallels um, in that book that we see here in our own nation. And so we're going to kind of dig into that. Now, there's a lot more books in Isaiah than there is in Romans. There's a lot more um, so, but it's okay. We're going to, we're going to dig into it. It's a very good book. And then eventually we're going to make our way back to Psalms. We're going to fin, you know, do the second book of Psalms, get through that, take a break from that. So we're going to bounce around a little bit, but yeah, we are starting with Isaiah. And so, um, you know, with Isaiah, there is, let's see, there's one, two, three, there's four different sections in the first chapter. And so verses one through one through nine talks about the rebellion of God's people. And then 10 through 17 talks about how um, God has had enough. And then verses 18 through 20, very short, says, let us reason. And then verses 21 through 31 is Zion corrupted to be redeemed. So we're going to kind of dig into a little bit of that. And I am reading actually out of the, uh, so like I said, I like to switch it up every once in a while. So what I'm reading is out of the New American Standard Bible. I'm reading the Founder's Bible, the second edition, the one that is the heirloom edition, the one that Brad Cummins um edited, um, authored, and I believe edited, I believe as well. So um, I love this Bible. It's a great Bible. Um, Like I said, I have about eight or nine different Bibles. So I like to switch around from the, you know, New American Standard Bible to the NA, you know, the New American Bible Revised Edition. I do have a 1599 Geneva Bible. I'll be honest with you. You'll never hear me read out of that except maybe a verse or two because it is so hard to read with the old English. I just can't. I can't handle it. I just absolutely cannot handle it. So I just won't do that. (laughs) So anyway, um, I do want to get to a few things here a little bit before we get into the reading here. So um, 
if you follow Donna Brandenburg on Telegram, you should, if you, if you don't, I should say, maybe you should go check her out because she's starting to post some very serious, um, eye opening and really just hard to swallow truth bombs. I don't even want to call them red pills. They're so, they're so jammed packed full of solid, but hard to look at truth. They're pretty much suppositories. I mean, and nobody wants that. And I'm not trying to be funny. I'm trying to really paint a frame of reference of how serious these truths are that she's dropping. And I know these truths to be accurate and pretty much, uh, well, on point uh, for many reasons, which we'll get into maybe in a different topic, different discussion. But um, so I, I posted, I forwarded one of their posts. It's a video. It's about almost a four minute video. I'm not playing it because you have to watch it. It's one of those visuals more than um, audible. Um, but I forwarded it, but um, on my His Hardline Telegram page. And then I, I, I commented saying today's the day that you choose to either, you know, be complicit through silence and inactivity to this unspeakable evil or you choose to serve God among his army of patriots who are actively taking out this evil. We all have a choice. And yes, choosing to not act and be silent and be complicit is no different than being complicit, you know, than, than siding with the enemy. When good people don't stand up to do what's right, I mean, you're just leaving the door wide open for evil to reign hell and fury all over the world. And we can't have that. And before I forget, I see on the chat board, hey, Ron, glad to have you here. And by the way, I wanted to let you know, Ron, um, I know this is a little separate conversation on the download here for anybody that's listening to this on the replay, but I got your email. I'm going to be watching that video. I watched about half of it. I didn't get a chance to finish it. So, um, so far, I liked what I hear. Uh, I like to do a show on that and I'll have you, I like to have Ron on. Ron's a, a, a good listener here. He forwards me some information and good rumble videos, stuff that's, uh, you know, a lot of people really should look at and watch. Um, he, he does extensive research. He's a mad researcher. Um, Leading up to the, you know, obviously the election for Donna Brandenburg, there's a lot of stuff that we have got going on, but I've been wanting to have, uh, I've been wanting to have Ron back on the show because um, he's actually a really good, you know, guy to talk to and have a good conversation with, and he's a wealth of knowledge. So we're definitely going to be having him back on, but I wanted to make sure I acknowledged him because I never did have a chance to respond to him via email and I don't like um, not responding. Uh, it's just, you know, I try to respond as best as I possibly can. It might take a few days. Hell, it might even take a couple weeks, but I will always try to do my best to make sure I respond. But anyways, um, so yeah, that video though, check it out. It's, uh, on, on telegram. It's, um, it's an eye opener. And what Donna posted when she posted the video, she says no more soft pitch. And if, for those of you that aren't familiar with Donna Brandenburg, she is running for governor in Michigan. She is going to be on the ballot. Everyone keeps thinking she's not going to be on the ballot because they didn't see her in the primaries. Well, that was because the Board of Elections kicked her off not once but twice fraudulently. And so, yeah, she is part of the Taxpayer Party of Michigan. Basically, it's a constitutional party. So she is going to be on the ballot November 8th. And if you stick around to the very, very end of the show, I will play her commercial. It's about three minutes long. I always play it leading up to the election. But this is what she says on that post, on the video that she posted. She says, no more soft pitch. Choose today 
whom you serve. Our government is guilty of human trafficking, enabling our elections to be stolen, placing puppet actors and actresses in positions within political parties to to enable them to continue on with their pure evil practices. They are just the new replacement for Hollywood worship. Pedophilia is covered up. They are guilty of treason and crimes against humanity. God is sifting. Stand bravely with us, digital soldiers. No backing down. Go along to get along. Voting for the lesser of two evils is cowardice. And puts the blame on the voter for allowing this to continue. Voters have a backbone. Vote this out. It's up to you and I standing together as we the people. Let's end this pure evil. And yes, I agree. I agree with everything she just wrote there. Now, I am part of the assembly, so I don't really put too much stock in voting. However, I am going to vote just because either way, being silent is acquiescence. I refuse to be silent. So yeah, you better believe I'm still going to vote my opinion so they know what Jason Jones has to say on the matter and with the three dumb proposals here in Michigan. So I suggest go checking out that video. It's very eye-opening, and there's a lot more other things that she's been posting. So you got to go follow her. It's she's 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 done with the people, and and they're scared. She they're scared as all get out of her because they know what she's going to do if and when she wins. Okay, next on the list, I kind of wanted to get through. Now earlier, I saw a few couple videos. I wanted to play a couple of them here. I don't know who this guy is. He's walking in the middle of a desert, seems like out in the Middle East with, uh, you know, what seems to be seemingly his wife or girlfriend. I don't know. I, I assume wife. I don't know. The paint the picture, this guy is like a, he, he must be in his 50s, maybe upper, mid upper 50s, but he looks ripped. He's just walking in, you know, shorts and the guy is ripped and tan, big burly beard. I mean, I'm talking a bigger beard than some of the guys on Duck Dynasty. I mean, this guy is like a man's man, like just big burly beard with a beautiful Woman next to him, you could tell they both exercise and eat healthy. They're very much in shape. But listen to what he says. This is very interesting. I like what he says. Listen to this. I believe that men and women are not created equal. That's why a man is called a man and a woman is called a woman. I believe that we are complementary opposites. I believe that men are purpose-built for physical strength to fight, to provide, and to protect for our complementary opposites. I believe that a woman is purpose-built for social and emotional strength, to caretake, to compassion make, to nurture and to nourish for her complementary opposite and her respective tribe. I believe that we are intellectual and spiritual equals and that we absolutely, unequivocally, need one another to express our highest and most dominant form together. Yeah, I think a lot of our society needs to hear that video of what a man is and what a woman is and exactly their roles. And as you can tell, the guy sounds like a big macho, you know, like caveman sounding kind of guy. But if you actually really pay attention to what he says, he's not wrong. In fact, he's very, very complimentary of the woman that he was walking next to holding hands with. We need to get back to the basics with when it comes to how a family
A foolish woman oh, treats her man like a slave and then becomes the slave's wife. Whereas a smart woman treats her man like a king and lives like a queen. But to be a king in the first place, a man should act like a man and not like a boy. A foolish... Yeah. In order for a woman, if you men, listen to this, okay? I'm not... If you want a good woman to treat you right, I mean, treat you right. And when I, what I mean right, like what he just said, if you want to be treated like a king, stop acting like a little boy. Get off your Xbox, get off your PlayStation or your virtual reality nonsense. Spend time with your woman. Spend time with your kids. Be the man. Don't be the child. Sure, your wife may make your, you know, make you uh, dinner and and do your laundry and make the bed. That doesn't mean she's your mom. You want to be treated like a king? Treat her like a queen. And women, likewise, you need to follow up with that same action. You want to be treated like a queen? Don't treat him like a slave. Don't treat him with disrespect. One last little soundbite I want to play before we get into the reading. Again, back to my original point with what they're trying to do. One of their mechanisms to try to break up the family. The world you live in today in the West, you don't raise your children and you don't own your children. They wanted the woman at work because if the woman's at home, she likely agrees with the worldviews of her man. And that means the children are being raised by the mother and they're likely to adopt those worldviews. In the modern world where they convince a woman to get a job, the man to get a job, the parents are out working all day to school and the internet and the matrix raise your children children go to school all day and be told things that you may not want them to learn then they sit on the internet and read things and watch things you may not want them to watch you talk to them for 10 minutes at the end of the day and they go to bed you're fighting with your 10 minutes against endless hours of the most entertaining programming the most forceful programming in school it's forceful on the internet it's entertaining convincing them of ideas that you perhaps don't agree with have you ever tried to take your children out of school you'll get fined you'll get in trouble no your kids have to go to school the world that's exactly it they want women to work while the man works because then the system can raise your children and raise a generation of compliant drones that the government can control and manipulate with propaganda and predictive programming. Again, we need to get back to basics where the mom stays home with the children as a domestic engineer, as I call it, because stay at home, mom, it seems to have such a, uh, you, you know, there just, there, see, there seems to be such a negative connotation with the title stay at home, mom. I like to, again, I like to label it as domestic engineer. What people don't realize is that a stay-at-home mom, a full-time mom and wife at home who homeschools, who keeps up the house, that's a very hard job. And for some reason, there's couples out there that typically younger, you know, dumb couples, they like to keep, you know, score of who's doing more in the relationship. Let me tell you something, fellas. 
I realize being a sole provider for your family is a pretty tough thing. All the burden of the financial responsibility falls on you and solely on you. I know I'm that guy. However, I wouldn't trade it for anything else in the world, but let me also share this with you. The stay-at-home full-time mom and wife who educates their children and keeps up the house at the same time and cooks and cleans and does your laundry, your nasty smelly socks and rank underwear, boxers, whatever you wear, that's a 24-7, 365-day-a-year job. She doesn't get the clock out. She doesn't collect a paycheck. She doesn't get the call in sick. If she has a problem, she can't call HR to complain. Yeah, sure, she can go to you and complain, but you're not going to want to hear much of it after a long day. I know sometimes I just kind of shut off. You know, I tune out after a good 14-hour day. Fortunately, my wife is actually really cool and understanding, and she knows that if I've had a really long, bad day, I try to do my best to communicate with her and tell her, look, today is not the day. <laughs> I do not want you to be in my line of fire. I'm in a very bad mood. In fact, I'm in a sour mood, almost damn near to the point where I'm going to be probably unpleasant to be around for an hour or so. So you probably just might want to leave me alone. And I try to be, say that very calmly in a text. Because again, my bad day was not affect, you know, was not started by her. So I want to make sure that I don't take it on her when I come home or my kid. So I just try to put it right out there. So, but what's my point? My point is this. You may have long days while you're being the sole provider, but just keep in mind you still need to listen to your woman. You still need to hear her out. You still need to play the role of father as well as husband. Full-time moms do not get breaks. So I hope you hear this message loud and clear, men. So again, back to that one guy said, if you want to be treated like a king, treat your wife like a queen. And yes, I said wife, not husband, not domestic partner, not furry partner, your wife. Treat her like a queen, you'll be treated like a king. Okay, book of Isaiah, let's get into it. Starting with verse 1, chapter 1, of course, with regards to the rebellion of God's people. Now, the vision of Isaiah, excuse me, I'm right out of gate, can't even talk. The vision of Isaiah, the son of Emmaus, concerning Judah and Jerusalem, which he saw during the reigns of Uzziah, Jotham, Azah, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Listen, O heavens, and hear, O earth, for the Lord's Say, excuse me, the Lord speaks. Sons, I have reared and brought up, but they have revolted against me. An ox knows its owner, and a donkey its master's manger. But Israel does not know my people. Do not understand. Alas, sinful nation, people weighed down with iniquity, offspring of evildoers, sons who act corruptly. They have abandoned the Lord. They have despised the Holy One of Israel. They have turned away from Him. Where will you be stricken, stricken again? 
as you continue in your rebellion, the whole head is sick and the whole heart is faint. From the sole of your foot even to the head, there is nothing sound in it, only bruises, welts, and raw wounds, not pressed out or bandaged, nor softened with oil. Your land is desolate, your cities are burned with fire, your fields, strangers are devouring them in your presence. It is desolation as overthrown by strangers. The daughter of Zion is left like a shelter in a vineyard, like a watchman's hut in a cucumber field, like a besieged city. Unless the Lord of hosts had left us a few survivors, we would be like Sodom. We would be like Gomorrah. Then we get into verse 10 where it says God had had enough. Now hear the word of the Lord. You rulers of Sodom, give ear to the instruction of our God. You people of Gomorrah, what are your multiplied sacrifices to me, says the Lord? I have had enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed cattle, and I take no pleasure in the blood of bulls, lambs, or goats. When you come to appear before me, who requires of you this trampling of my courts? Bring your worthless offerings no longer. Incense is an abomination to me. New moon and Sabbath, the calling of assemblies. I cannot endure iniquity and the solemn assembly. I hate your new moon festivals and your appointed feast. They have become a burden to me, and I am weary of bearing them. So when they spread out your hands in prayer, I will hide my eyes from you. Yes, even though you multiply prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are covered with blood. Wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. Remove the evil of your deeds from my sight. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Reprove the ruthless. Defend the orphan. Plead for the widow. As we get in verse 18 through 20, let us reason. It says, Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are as scarlet, they will be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they will be like wool. If you consent and obey, you will eat the best of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword. Truly, the mouth of the Lord has spoken. And then we get to the last part, verses 21 through 31, where it talks about Zion corrupted and to be redeemed. And it says, How the faithful city has become a harlot. See who was full of justice, righteousness once lodged in her, but now murderers. Your silver has become dross, your drink diluted with water, your rulers are rebels, and companions of thieves, everyone loves a bribe. And chase afterward rewards. They do not defend the orphan, nor does the widow plea come before them. Therefore the Lord God of hosts, the mighty one of Israel, declares, Ah, I will be relieved of my adversaries and avenge myself on my foes. I will also turn my head against you and will smelt away your dross as with lie and will remove all your alloy. Then I will restore your judges as at the first, 
and your counselors as at the beginning. After that, you will be called the city of righteousness, a faithful city. Zion will be redeemed with justice and her repentant ones with righteousness, but transgressors and sinners will be crushed together. And those who forsake the Lord will come to an end. Surely you will be ashamed of the oaks which you have desired, and you will be embarrassed at the gardens which you have chosen. For you will be like an oak whose leaf fades away, or as a garden that has no water. The strong man will become tender, his work also a spark. Thus they shall both burn together, and there will be none to quench them. Wow. This is why I chose the book of Isaiah, because we're going to find out as we go through this whole book, there is a lot of parallels that we are going to draw from what we read here to what we're seeing in, in modern day today with our nation. I mean, the fact with Zion being corrupted only to be redeemed, I mean, that's that's the United States of America. We have been so corrupted, and just like I was talking about earlier, it's because they try to demoralize a nation by destroying the family, taking God out of the equation. I mean, right here, where it was talking about bribes, do we not have judges in this nation in our supposed judicial system that does not take bribes? Come on, of course they do. The judges and the lawyers, attorneys, all alike, that's all they do. They pay each other backroom deals, and they do these plea you know, bargainings and all this other stuff. This is how they make their money. They, they play with people. This is why they're not to be trusted in, in public office, per the original 13th Amendment. But they wouldn't teach you that in public school. <clears throat> I mean, uh, indoctrination systems. That's why the uh, National Assembly exists, by the way, ladies and gentlemen. To give you real information, real knowledge. Let's talk about something here for a second. Let's go to Isaiah 26 for a second, where it says, Then I will restore your judges as at the first, and your counselors as at the beginning. After that, you will be called the city of righteousness, a faithful city. I'm going to tell you right now, we're definitely not a faithful city, but what's the remedy for this restoration? To have rightful judges, which will then render us a rightful nation. Well, as the righteous judges of all the earth, God has much to say about judges and the judiciary, and these are not trivial matters. And he declared in Psalm 2, Chapter 2, verses 10 through 12, he declared, Take warning, O judges of the earth, worship the Lord with reverence, and rejoice with trembling, do homage to the Son, that he not become angry, and you perish in the way, for his wrath may soon be kindled. Again, that was Psalm chapter 2, verses 10 through 12. And in similar fashion, he also instructs judges as it states in 2 Chronicles chapter 19, 6-7, Consider what you are doing, for you do not judge for man, but for the Lord, who is with you when you render judgment. Now then, let the fear of the Lord be upon you. Be very careful what you do. Again, at 2 Chronicles 19, 6-7. 
And so in Isaiah chapter 1, as Israel is in a period of rebellion and decline, one of the remedies for restoration that God gives to Isaiah is to call for a change in their judges. That if they would return to the type of judges they had in their earlier years, then Jerusalem, their national capital, would again become a center of righteousness as God explained. Again, I'm going to read it again, Isaiah 1.26. I will restore your judges as at the first and your counselors as at the beginning. After that, you will be called the city of righteousness, a faithful city. Sounds like where America's about to go back to. You know, the clear principle to take note is the righteousness of the land is directly affected by its judges. And the revealed promise is that Zion will be rendered or redeemed with a return to justice. And looking at the present state of decline in our own nation, we would do well to understand the wisdom of God's proposition as he invites Isaiah to approach the heavenly bench. Come now and let us reason together. Though your sins are as scarlet, they will be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they will be like wool. If you consent and obey, you will eat the best of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword. Verses 18 through 20. Our founding fathers understood the potential power of judges and the great and lasting consequences that you know, could occur through an improper use of judicial power. In fact, of the 27 grievances in the Declaration of Independence listing why America separated from Great Britain, four addressed the abuse of British judicial power. Taxation without representation was mentioned only once, and to learn more about the misuse of judges and courts, you can see and go look at the commentary accompanying Proverbs 18 and Deuteronomy 19. But knowing the you know, potential power of judges to do damage with prudent foresight, the Founding Fathers placed numerous restraints upon the judiciary within the Constitution, resulting in four fundamental judicial principles meant to guide and protect us from their abuse of power. But unfortunately, with most citizens being completely unaware of these constitutional restraints, it would be it would seem that those protective moorings have been cast off, allowing the American judicial judiciary to drift well off course from the original design. And as such, America clearly demonstrates the truth of Isaiah 126, that righteousness of land is directly affected by its judges, for it has been judges and not legislatures who have imposed on America the great majority of its righteous policies. But see, there's one thing that what I'm reading here, one thing that is missing. And what's missing is the assemblies of people, we the people. Sure, you have your judges. But the common law grand juries of we the people is ultimately the main protector, the main mechanism that protects we the people under God, from tyrannical and despotic actions against the lower three branches of government, including the executive and legislative. So like, for example, abortion on demand was not instituted by legislatures, but rather 
by judges who decreed it to be a national policy. In fact, the Supreme Court had to strike down anti-abortion laws in 46 states to achieve its will. And so similarly, the movement for same-sex marriage was initiated by judicial decisions demanding that the state legislature set aside four centuries of American laws defining marriage as the union of man and woman. And so like, you know, likewise, prohibitions on prayer before school athletic events and graduations and you know, exclusions of the Ten Commandments or other religious acknowledgments in the classroom are a result not of legislatures but of judges. I wonder why that is. And so at the end of the day, this truly affirms that God said in Isaiah 126, the righteousness of a land is directly affected by its judges. And so if we're going to find our way back, we need to lay hold of God's remedy for restoration and seek to return to the kind of judges that we had at first. You know, the founders established four constitutional precepts that Americans must regain if we are to see the unrighteousness imposed on America through the judiciary reversed. And as we approach the bench, come let us reason together. But again, it's not just at the bench. It is at the will of the people in assembly. The people in assembly make up the common law grand juries. The late Antonin Scalia, the late Justice Antonin Scalia, was very clear on a case that he did back in 1992. I can't remember the case now. But he clearly stated that the common law grand juries, it belongs to the people. We will get our nation restored once again. I'm telling you, this is the book of Isaiah is going to be a very interesting book to be reading. It, we are going to be digging into a lot. And like I said, I'm not a pastor, I'm not a priest, I'm not a deacon, I'm not a biblical expert or anything like that. I'm not a Bible scholar. I'm just a guy who reads the Bible. I'm a truck driver. I haul fuel. But I do my best. And so anyway, we're going to close this out with a prayer. I do appreciate you all being here. Ah, Heavenly Father, we thank you for another day of life and good health. I appreciate this day and I appreciate this nation. I appreciate this state that I live in that we call Michigan. We pray for our leaders. We pray for our assemblies of people in every state. We pray for the military and we pray for our commander-in-chief, Donald John Trump. And we also pray for our enemies that you can, we pray for two things. One, we pray that you can unfoil their plans. But two, and most importantly, we pray that they come to you and they come to your son, Jesus Christ. That's the biggest thing. It's the most important thing. We know you win. I guess I don't need to do the first part of that prayer because we know you have this figured out. But I do want to just tell you, we do appreciate all that you do for us. We don't take it for granted, and we just ask that you always guide our thoughts and our words as well as our actions. Always help us do the next right thing. And so, Father, we just ask that whatever is to come here in the coming days, weeks, and months, just be our guiding light. Help us, you know, navigate through the storm. Because we realize it's about to get pretty bad here, but we know it's going to get 
well, it's going to get real good. It has to get bad before it gets better. But we trust in you. And so we pray all this in your Holy Son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. And so that's all I got for you guys today. I want to say I appreciate each and every one of you for being here today. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of 1% with him. Like I said, we are doing the book of Isaiah today. We just got done with chapter one. Tomorrow, obviously, excuse me, tomorrow, there will be no Bible reading tomorrow. I flip-flop no podcast Saturdays with tomorrow, okay, because I'm heading out to Grand Rapids tomorrow after I get out of work. I'm getting out of work a little early to help Donna Brandenburg with a few uh, video, uh, videography uh, projects here. So I'm going to be going out there for a couple few hours out to her horse barn and do some filming. And um, hopefully, like I said, be back home within two or three hours. But I won't be doing any podcast tomorrow because, again, with what I got and I don't want to spread myself thin. So I just want to let you know that's why I'm here today. So anyways, I hope you all have a blessed day or night wherever you're at in the world. And remember, here at His Our Line, we are firm and we are steadfast and we are uncompromising. We will not waver to the enemy. The enemy crossed that line for the last time and we will always be here to keep pushing the enemy back on their side. That's just how it works. No more. We're done. So anyways, hope you all have a great day or night wherever you're at in the world and have a blessed rest of your weekend. Bye-bye. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is it for the day. Thank you for joining us here at His Heart Line. Remember, we need to spend at least 15 minutes each day with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That is literally 1% of our time on a daily basis. Spend a little time in the Bible, spend some time in prayer. And you'd be amazed what Jesus will do to you. Drop. And don't forget to check out our website, www.hishardline.com, for all the latest updates. Ask yourself, are you better off today than you were four years ago? We have a Democrat governor and a Republican legislature. They all failed us. They failed us through the shutdowns. No one stood up and fought for us. They all laid down. They're one and the same. It's a corrupt uniparty. Hi, I'm Donna Brandenburg, and I'm running to be the next governor of the state of Michigan. The only true conservative, it would be my pleasure to serve with honor and integrity. In the United States of America, we are given opportunities that are unparalleled anywhere else in the world. And I want you to think about what would you like this country to look like? Your voice counts. We get to determine, because we the people are in charge, what this country looks like, what the state of Michigan looks like, and how it's run. Choosing a governor for the state of Michigan is a job interview. That's your job, to decide who you want to manage your financial assets. We own this state and you get to decide how you want your state to be run. We are not a nation of political parties, we are Americans, and it's time to end this nonsense of dividing us up and keeping us fighting against each other. We need to stand together as Americans fighting for each other to defend, to protect, to help ensure the opportunities that our forefathers enjoyed. They gave us everything we need to put this state back together. It's a wonderful time to be alive, and 
we're going to do just that. We're going to put this nation back together. We're going to kick the criminal politicians out and those that have robbed from us for years and who have taken our rights, who have spit on our Constitution. The time is now and their game is over. My first responsibility as governor is to listen to what you want done, to find out what we the people want to have happen in this state. Your voice matters and what you think is important will be listened to. We will find ways to listen to every single one of you, aggregate that information and do what's in the best interest of the people of Michigan. We the people standing together is the key to taking the state back and ensuring all of our rights are protected and that there is opportunity going forward. First and foremost, we have to have free and fair elections and they have to be honest. The First Amendment, your right to freedom of speech. You should be able to say anything you want to say without any threat or coercion hanging over your head. Second Amendment, the right to bear arms shall not be infringed, period, end of story. Constitutional carry, I think we should have tax credits for the purchase of firearms, ammunition, as well as firearms training. And I think all of these unconstitutional agencies need to get out of our state. And we hang that on the 10th Amendment, starting states' rights. There's so much we can do going forward. I love Michigan. I was born and raised here my whole life. I've traveled a lot. I've traveled all over the state. And this is a beautiful state to live. We are so blessed. It's time to take back the American dream. Our vote should never be motivated by fear. Vote your conscience. Vote Donna Brandenburg for governor of the state of Michigan, November 8th. How? How? How is that possible? You're only 14. Your doctor didn't even tell me. My teacher said they wouldn't have to anymore since Prop 3 passed. I didn't know. I just don't understand why my son wants to sterilize himself and there's nothing I can do about it. What do you mean there's nothing you can do? He's only 10 and you're his mother. Prop 3 passed and gave every individual the right to effectuate decisions about sterilization. His teacher told him that if he wants to transition, he can do this. There's nothing I can do. If he decides to go through with it, it's his choice. I didn't know. Thanks very much for coming in. Look in all the tests. Everything's going fine. Baby is very, very healthy. But I need to ask you before we go any further, are you sure this child is not going to cause you any mental health issues? Fear, anxiety, stress? I mean, it's my fourth kid, so probably. <laughs> well, if you feel that way, we can terminate this pregnancy for you. How is that possible? Well, now the Proposition 3 has passed, you know you have the right to terminate this pregnancy up to the time of a birth. Really? Yes, if it would be advisable for the protection of your mental health. I didn't know. You are the county prosecutor. My 15-year-old granddaughter is dead. And you tell me you can't do anything to the person who killed her? I understand your frustration. But since Proposition 3 passed, the state shall not penalize, prosecute, or otherwise take adverse action 
against someone for aiding or assisting a pregnant individual in exercising their right to reproductive freedom with their voluntary consent. There's just nothing I can do. I didn't know. Hey, babe, how was your day? What's wrong? I, um... I had to perform an abortion today. What? How, how is that even possible? You work for a Catholic hospital. And, um, Prop 3 passed. And gave the mother the right to make and, um, uh, effectuate all abortion and postpartum care decisions. And, um, she chose us. And we had to comply. I had to comply. It was her right. I didn't know. Michigan, Proposition 3 is dangerous for parental rights, religious liberties, our children, the unborn, the newly born, the preyed upon, and the abused. It's permanent and goes way beyond Roe. Proposition 3 is dangerous for our state, for our culture, and for our society. This November 8th, Vote no to protect human life in all its forms. Vote no to protect the vulnerable. Vote no to protect parental rights, religious liberties, and medical and prosecutorial rights. Choose to give your child a Michigan and a future they deserve. On November 9th, don't wake up saying, I didn't know. Choose to vote no on Prop 3, because now you know. All right, and one last thing before we uh, hang it up, because I do want to add something to that. Aside from voting no, let me turn that down a little bit. Aside from voting no, all right, that is one way you can fight against this nonsense, against this tyrannical government and what, you know, these, these evil monsters that they, they don't have any respect for the sanctity of life. But you know what else you can do? I'm going to tell you right now. Again, like she just said, on November 9th, you don't want to wake up and say, I didn't know. Because like Destry always says in the National Assembly here, ignorance is unbecoming. And he doesn't say that lightly, and he doesn't say that to be an ass. He says that because it is unbecoming. People need to do their own research. People need to do their own homework. People need to start self-educating. Stop relying on big media and, you know, these big corporate alphabet agencies that are on TV trying to tell you what to think and how to feel and 
how to persuade you. So aside from voting no, how about you get involved with your local assembly, your local state assembly, your county assembly. You want to know how? Go to www.hishardline, excuse me, www.national-assembly.net. That's www.national-assembly.net. You can also go to my website, hishardline.com. It is linked to national. Just click on the assembly tab. But that's the only way that we fix this country. That's the only way we get rid of these evil, tyrannical, despotic, satanic forces that are in D.C. and in our state level. We assemble. I hope you all have a great day or night and just ponder that. God bless.